Happy Hanukkah! This year, Judaism Unbound is partnering with our friends, the Torah Studio, on a new way of celebrating Hanukkah called Apocryphist, Hanukkah Unbound and Uncanonized. We believe that Hanukkah can be a time of year where we connect to many books that were not officially included in the Hebrew Bible, but which nonetheless can be meaningful for Jewish individuals, communities, and the world. Through five bonus episodes, we will be exploring some of these books in detail and asking big questions about what canon even means. Liana Wertman, founder of the Torah Studio, which is an accessible and inclusive learning space that encourages people to take ownership of our traditional Jewish texts, and a past partner with us on live streaming events exploring books from Esther to Lamentations to Ecclesiastes to Ruth, joins us for all five of these bonus conversations. Learn more and sign up for our Apocryphist email list by visiting judaismunbound.com slash apocrypha. A-P-O-C-R-Y-P-H-A. This is a special bonus edition of Judaism Unbound. Hanukkah 2022, number four, Judith. Welcome back, everyone. I'm Dan Liebenson. And I'm Lex Rofberg. And we're here with not one, not two, not three, number four of our Hanukkah mini bonus episodes. And we are very thrilled to be schmoozing. Today's book that we're diving into is a pretty fantastic one, if you ask me. The Book of Judith, which in the world of Apocrypha, I would say is like pretty well known. I would say it's it's not that, it's a little less sidelined than some of the other books. And so it's more common for people to have some kind of relationship to it, but still it's not featured as part of the traditional Jewish canon. So I'm excited to give this book its due, especially during the holiday of Hanukkah. So Liana, take us a little bit into the book of Judith. What's this book? What's it about? So the book of Judith tells the story of an Israelite town that is under siege, and they are absolutely at the their wits end with this siege. The famine has gotten wild and everything is going wrong. And they're willing to die up on this hill or, or give up, right? They're, they're really at the very end of this siege when Judith, this widow, this like gorgeous widow, apparently turns to them and goes, you have no idea what you're doing. I'll finish this off. I'll fix it. God is going to be working through me. She gets dressed up really beautifully and she sneaks down to the camp at the bottom of their hill, the bottom of the town and seduces the, the general and kills him in the middle of the night. Right. And she brings his head back up to her, her town. And they turn around to everybody in the, the bottom of the camp. And they're like, Hey, what are you going to do now? And they're like, well, we'll go ask our, our captain. And they're like, Oh, you mean this captain Holofernes? And they hold up his head and they're all like, uh Oh, that is no good. And this woman, this icon in this space, like actually in the name of God explicitly saves her entire town. And it's a story that actually has a lot of connections to, to Hanukkah. And we'll talk a little bit more about that, including some commu- some Jewish communities actually celebrate reading the book of Judith during Hanukkah. Um, they actually have the that party, that uh, holiday on Rosh Chodesh Tevet, which is in the middle of Hanukkah, the, the new month of Tevet beginning. And it's a story that just brings out a lot of characters that we really don't see in a similar way since like the book of Judges, but with a female hero at the front, which is not unprecedented in Jewish texts, but is very standalone for her explicit feeling that God is kind of working with and through her. You got to just love 
a hero figure whose defining moment is like, guys, I'm going to go chop his head off. First off, I, I relate to the story much more than I would otherwise because it's clearly like fiction. This did not happen. So I don't have to wrestle with the ethics. You know, what do you do with really corrupt and violent rulers? But Judith is also interesting because like you said, it's tied to Hanukkah. I agree that it connects to Hanukkah, but I think, I don't know. I feel like we're mostly saying that because some communities made the decision to, to connect it to Hanukkah. But like, it's not totally clear to me in the text itself that this is like an obvious story to read on Hanukkah. It seems that the text was written around the time of the Maccabean Revolt, but it's not about the Maccabean Revolt. It's not about the oil. I mean, we talked a few episodes ago in this miniseries about Megillat Antiochus, which is like directly about Hanukkah. This isn't that. But what it is, is that it's a parallel story of basically a rebellion against power that succeeds. And so it's not a stretch. And to me, I look at this and I actually think there's a simple connection that is why Judith has been connected to Hanukkah, which is I literally think it's about her name. I literally think the name Judith is it. Judah Maccabee and Judith are built on the same Hebrew word, same Hebrew root. And when I look at the words, they're clearly connected. And I think that this was just like, oh, yeah, we like that story with the the hero woman who leads a successful rebellion uh, against this guy, Hall of Fairness. Where should we put it? Oh, there's this other holiday with a guy named Judah. That sounds similar. Like, great. Nailed it. That's the one. We're going to put it with Hanukkah. And I think it might have been that simple. And I'm not saying that to diminish it or to take away from other more scholarly parallels between the stories. But sometimes I think it really is more of that, that reverse engineering. It's like, we like this story. Let's find a place for it. It does strike me that like their names sound similar and maybe that was enough. I also wonder whether it's just even more of a allegory than you're talking about, like because Yehudit does sound like Yehuda, but it also is basically means Jew, Jewess versus Jew, right? But I mean, like if you're a native Hebrew speaker and you're reading the story about Yehudit, then you're really reading the story of Jewess. I wonder whether if we think that it was written around the time of the Maccabean Revolt or, or sometime after, that it's sort of meant to be almost like an allegory or an allusion to that, that the, you know, the most unlikely of heroes, right? The Hobbit, right? Is the most unlikely to be the hero of the story, right? And so in this society, a woman, but a woman is really standing for, right? The Jews are the most unlikely to be the hero of the story. Like they're caught between these warring empires always. And, you know, but here through guile, got them. And, right, I mean, there's a way that it strikes me that this story feels a little bit like it's a version of saying that all Jewish holidays are, they tried to kill us, they failed, let's eat. So there's a version of, this is a very simple version of those stories where they tried to kill us, we were smarter than them and lured them into our place where we're the masters of and we got them. I think one of the things that interests me about this book is I don't really see a story reason why this wouldn't have been included in the canon, which leads me only to be that like it was just a later story, right? This isn't even in the the Dead Sea Scrolls. So it's a story that maybe got brought into our ability to even canonize it a little later. But I think what I love about it is whether it's because of 
uh, her name sounding like Judah, whether it's because, like I was saying, um, Rosh Chodesh Habanot, the like Rosh Chodesh for the women, where they focus on women. This was the only kind of apocrypha text that got brought in, and maybe that solidified it. Later communities maybe brought it in because they liked it and the Hasmoneans, right? Whatever reason, this is a story that actually our, our customs and our traditions have tried to essentially bring in as canon through Hanukkah, not the Megillah Antiochus, which is trying to give us something to use on Hanukkah, but literally to bring this text from the Apocrypha into something canonically Jewish or actually great that isn't canonically Jewish, connecting this Apocrypha story to this Apocrypha holiday because we want this story to be a part of our tradition. And it is a story that looks a lot like stories that we do have. I mean, it most reminds me of the story of Yael in Judges, where she kills a general who comes into her home, uh, has a very similar resonance to it, and is more explicitly about Israelite culture and God than the books of Ruth and Esther, right? Like these, this is so clearly a Jewish story that we, and I feel excited by, that it almost has this energy of like, well, it's got to be somewhere, right? We have to include it somewhere. And I've seen it so much more recently coming up in in art and in conversation, Jews on Instagram, just even that community, that world that I get to spend a lot of time in being something that we're excited by, especially, especially since it is a hero, like you were saying, that it's a female hero, right? This is a, a person that we can turn to who doesn't have this split where she has to be masculine or is too feminine to do anything, but actually uses her femininity, uses the her beauty and her, her role as, even as a widow, right? To not be put aside as this person who no longer has any place in society, but actually to take this center role to save her entire community. And that is just really powerful. Yeah. I, I love what both of you brought about how for Dan, like this, it reads as Jewish or as like woman Jew and Liana that like this story has to fit somewhere. I I hadn't really thought about that. And I'm, I'm noticing something that I hadn't in my first reading, which is the moment that Judith is introduced, which interestingly is not till the eighth chapter of this book. And it's only like, I don't know, 15, it's, it's like, she only arrives about halfway through and then she's for sure the key character the rest of the way. But when she's introduced, I'm going to read this fully. Judith was the daughter of Merari, son of Ak, son of Joseph, son of Oziel, son of Elkia, son of Ananias, son of Gideon, son of Raphaim, son of Achitub, son of Elijah, <gasps> son of Hilkia, son of Eliab, son of Natanael, son of Salamiel, son of Sarasadai, son of Israel. We get 16 generations for who she is, which first off, for a woman in Bible, you don't get that. Like you, you find out who her dad is, maybe, maybe you don't get a full lineage. This is like an empowering thing that somebody would go back that many generations, even if she's going back through generations of fathers. But it traces her all the way back to Israel, to Jacob. And some scholars think that this Sarah Sadai, like one of the generations is Shimon, Simeon, Simon, who is the second son of Jacob slash Israel in the story. And interestingly, he's a son who is well known for a key moment of violence. He goes and kills an entire town of people in response to the rape of Dina. And so it makes sense that Judith, who herself would commit a famous act of violence, would be traced back to Shimon. But it's really striking that we learn about her, that she goes back 
literally to the patriarchs. That's not something we get from most books, from, from any that I can think of, of the Bible. And it points to what, Dan, you were saying about how this is like, we want you to read this as a story of Jewess, of a exemplary model Jew. And, and also potentially that it's just a much later written book where maybe they felt like they had to create this long line of authenticity precisely because it wasn't authentic. Yeah. And by the way, like scholars place this around 100 BCE. So as your hypothesis was like shortly after the Maccabee revolt, way after the rest of oh, the rest of I'm already canonizing this in my head, but way after the books that made it into Bible. I think the book of Judith whether it's Apocrypha or being included, whatever it is, the fact that we have this book, that she is Jewess, she is the Jewish woman who is connected to the patriarchs, who we can bring in because it's Apocrypha where, where we kind of want to bring people in. It just makes me feel really excited about how do we want to choose our heroes, right? How do we want to represent our heroes? And you don't have to like what Judith did. You could love what Judith did. But to have more heroes brought in who are female, who are not just men, and who are playing the roles that we still expect from not an ungendered hero, right? Just heroic, to save your community, to put yourself in danger, to step out of your comfort zone, to even be unexpectedly brave and strong, right? That is really exciting to be able to find a hero that looks more like me in Apocrypha. And I think coming back even to what we were talking about with Midrash in our last episode, how do we want to write heroes and ourselves into Torah? Uh, how do we want to see like whether Midrash, I think we could count Midrash as a type of apocrypha, right? We could count the stories that we're adding to our world as a type of apocrypha that we can really start to imagine who do we want to see in, in this past? Maybe also who do we want to see in our present? If Judith is looking backwards a few hundred years we can also maybe just look back a few hundred years. We can write these stories of the people in our more recent pasts, whether we're writing about what it was like to live in shuttles or to live in golden age of Southern Spain. We can start to kind of imagine the heroes we want in our history and in our canon and try to bring them in where it makes sense in places like Hanukkah, which is like we had, have said a bunch, an apocrypha holiday. Yeah, I love that. And what I'd say in terms of like writing our own stories, I think one fascinating feature of Judith is it is clearly fiction. This story is clearly story and it's not trying to be history. It's not like the Book of Kings or something that it's trying to paint itself as like a retelling of history. And that liberates it from the rules when you're allowed to sort of make the details what they are and just tell a good story. Turns out it writes a pretty good story. And Judith is what results. So grateful to have explored this with both of you. And as always, please send us your hot takes. Send us your favorite parts of the book of Judith. Send us your questions at lex at judaismunbound.com, dan at judaismunbound.com, thetorahstudio at gmail.com. We really want to hear from you. And we're, we're nearing the end of this set of episodes, only one more. So we definitely want to hear how these have landed for you and how you've incorporated them into your Hanukkah practice. So thanks so much for listening. And with that, this has been Judaism Unbound. <laughs>